0: Shining i I'm so, I'm so high River make you yeah, feel that so way Rona, let's smoke like yeah. I got to I've been high since the last song oh. And i just been smoking and smoking smoking another black, roll another up You know that we can really ease your mind Every time I smoke a river that I didn't know how it makes me fly If everybody smoked a blunt really the mind, the world could be a better place If everybody took a Good afternoon. You're listening to Cannabis Corner on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, broadcasting live from downtown New Haven and our homes. We are streaming live on TuneIn Radio and newhavenindependent.org. We're also streaming live video on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash Independent or slash Media. And look us up. You can hit C first and hear all the great programs we have here on WNHH. Welcome. It is Monday, November the 14th, 2022. Welcome to Cannabis Corner. I am your host, Joe Lachance. And I am joined here by my illustrious co-host, Uncle Lou, Hemp Farmer Lou, Lou Vega the Third. How are you, my friend?
1: How's it going, good brother? You know, just pushing through another wonderful week and kind of making it through. Um, New England is a little chilly this week, so we've gotten our burst of, hey, it's the fall. Hey, we're here. Fall is here. That, that winter, fall weather, New England fall weather, is really all, all the leaves are falling off the trees. and So we've got all of that going on here. Um, it's a, a nice time
0: hard- of year, though. Fall it's is actually time. my favorite time of year up there.
1: New London, New England, um, New England area is absolutely beautiful for this time of the year. So, um, yes. shout out to the Harvest Cup and everybody who has done harvesting. Croptober was in full effect, and um, now is when we're seeing everybody who's got what they're doing and kind of celebrating whatever harvest they had. So, congratulations to all those individuals. Now, how um, was the Harvest Cup? Um, it was another exciting adventure. I was only there for a very short time. I was running around all weekend, but um. It's a great event. Big shout out to Janet from Hippie Chip who got married. Um, It was a joyous occasion for everybody. I missed it. But once again, it's a great event that really shows the community, really shows the network, and really shows that, that cannabis is so much larger than just our small little piece here in the state of Connecticut. Right, right. Now, speaking of big
0: events, this week and actually starting tomorrow is MJ BizCon. If that I'm not is mistaken. Right. And that for people who don't know is a huge event. Uh, it's actually nationwide and international, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And companies and cannabis connoisseurs, growers, investors, everything you can imagine is all gathered up in uh Las Vegas for three days. I guess it starts officially tomorrow, but the convention doesn't actually start. Oh, Las Vegas Wednesday. Cannabis
1: Week started yesterday, man. Um, Las Vegas is going crazy with cannabis right now, as it always does. MJ BizCon is one of my favorite events of the year. I will not be there this year. Um, just was unable to swing it. It's got we got a lot going on in state here. So um we're doing what we have to in state and we are pushing forward here. Um probably be back next year because i probably have a little less things on my plate in november next year than i do this november right so um but you oh, have attended before oh i'm a avid this would have been my fourth mj bizcon right so and it's mj bizcon has helped me get to where i am today so i can't be upset about that at all um our good friend jason will be out there marie will be out there So many different representatives from companies that we work with and advocates that we work with and business people that we work with. The big name companies are going to be out there. Um, Everybody, angel investors, investment, investment firms, anything in cannabis you can imagine, will be out there. It takes up the entire Las Vegas Convention Center. And um, I believe it's like the second largest convention in Las Vegas. The first largest convention in Las Vegas is the construction convention, actually. So the general construction. Yeah, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. They bring earth movers. They take up all of that bottom part of Las Vegas Boulevard by the convention center. And then cannabis is the second largest. So, wow. Um, and really I see, interesting. I
0: see they got some good
1: speakers there. The founder of Cookies
0: is tons one of, of the cute Tons notes. of
1: things in different ways and different people. A lot of our great friends from uh, <clears throat> Minority Cannabis Business Association, Minority Medical Marijuana, um uh, unlock tons of different organizations that represent the people and our people and the smaller companies as well as every single one of the large companies. You know, Tyson will be out there, um, Futurola will be out there, all the ancillary companies, all the big um makers of product, all the lighting companies, all the lighting sales companies, um Hashotronics, which is a Connecticut-based manufacturer for um solventless extraction equipment it will be out there they're out in portland connecticut and they're big shout out to them they don't make anything other than the equipment and so that now you're using a nice connecticut made for solventless extraction that's actually one of the top of the line ones that's made right here in our backyard so oh, big nice for them maybe we should try and get them on the show well, they're good people, man. They are always willing to have those conversations, and so I forget. I'm surprised that I don't even I haven't brought it up. In all honesty, our good friend uh, Mike Freeman introduced. Oh, uh okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So he's another good buddy of us. Actually, I saw Terry this weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. Was I he at, Was another old Ted. Was he gathering up there the in, in the? Uh... No, no. I I stopped at a small gathering of the tribe. So. Oh, nice. And, you know nice. what I mean? Got to see some some faces and friends that I didn't really haven't seen in a little while and small gathering at somebody's home and, you know, passed around a couple of things and talked and smoked and ate and spent two hours just, you know, out of, out of your own head, kind of feeling comfortable and things like that. So always a big shout out to all of them. You know what I mean? All the old heads. Yeah. Big shout out to all the old heads.
0: Mm-hmm. We're still hanging in there, being around. Terry's been around forever and uh, he's a dj on wpkn he has a wild show so he's a good guy um and definitely and people if you want to check out MJ if you're going to mj BizCon, you can check out knee cans booth out there uh that's that's going to be they're out there also if you want to sign up for the convention this year but um so yeah that's going to be a great event you know, and I hope uh, whoever's going there has a great time, and I hope they we get to see a lot of photos and different things online. But um, moving on, real quick to the election. Yeah, not necessarily the political election and what happened with the the you know the whole national scene, because that's not what this show is about. I'm talking about more about cannabis. And how cannabis was on the ballot in five states this election time. So um, now, unfortunately, out of those five, only two actually passed the referendum. So the states that were looking to legalize cannabis were North Dakota, south dakota arkansas missouri and maryland and um out of those only missouri and maryland um passed the referendum and this was a referendum that went to the people so i guess the people of north dakota south dakota and arkansas are just not ready for cannabis legalization and uh, had they all passed that would have put the number at 24 which is almost half the states in the country so um what we have right now is 21 states that have passed legalization and um It's made the feds actually come out and hold a congressional hearing now, because if you followed prohibition back in the day, you would know that once about half the states start doing it on their own, it's time for uh, the feds to start looking at it. So I think... um, where The Congress has scheduled a special hearing, which is going to be on, actually, it's going to be November 15th, so it's going to be tomorrow. It's called Development in State Cannabis Laws and Bipartisan Cannabis Reforms at the Federal Level. So they haven't announced who the witnesses are going to be. And this is a house subcommittee that's going to start looking at cannabis reform on the federal level. So even though we didn't get all five States to cross over to legalization, it was still enough to make the Congress take notice. And I think that in itself uh, is a victory, but, um, You know, we'll just have to see where that goes. We'll have to see what Congress actually does. But right now, our guest is here and ready for us, uh, and we're ready for him. So I'd like to introduce our guest, Mr. Jimmy Young. Jimmy is an Emmy Award-winning TV talk show host from New England. Jimmy Young has over 40 years' experience in commercial, television, and radio, he is one of the rare professionals in the industry who has had success in front of the camera and in sales management. He is currently the founder of Pro Cannabis Media, a group of like-minded content producers who live stream 24/7 news, information and educate the public about the cannabis industry. In May 19 in May 2021, PCM TV launched a, launched a 24/7 news information and educational streaming channel on roku and apple tv to go with twitch youtube linkedin facebook and procannabismedia.com jimmy how are you today <laughs> i feel old after that 40 years makes you feel really old you know well, hey, that means you have a lot of experience. That you're a veteran, and you got a lot to offer to this business. Still, well, I hope so.
2: I hope so. Uh, it, it was uh, I got to spend the weekend at the Harvest Cup out in Worcester,
0: Massachusetts, DCU Center this weekend. Oh, we were just talking about that. Did you? Were you able to attend the wedding? Uh, you know, I wasn't able to because a
2: I thought it was at six o'clock on Saturday. I didn't get there till five fifteen. I had a little bit of a personal issue I had to deal with on Saturday, but on Sunday I was there and I did a great sit down with Janet um, and uh, it was, it was really a lot of fun to hang out with her. You know, she has such a, a a joie de vivre, a joy of life, Janet McAllister. Now, now Janet, let's see, I got her name. It's her ma- married name is Graves. Oh no, it's uh, Reeves, Janet Reeves, the hippie oh. chick. The hippie, how do you not like a woman who calls herself and her business the hippie chick, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. we got to get Janet on the show once she uh, gets back from her honeymoon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, so. it took her four and a half hours to go from Sangerville, Maine, down to Worcester. So, you know, she's a pretty dedicated
0: uh, entrepreneur. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. She shows up all over the place.
2: Yeah. No, and she, I love her. She's really good people. She's, she's the type of person that I love. meet in this industry because of their passion for their craft and what they do and how they feel like they're impacting the world, which is a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And she's a veteran and she's been around quite a while. One of the pioneers, a great activist up there and big shout out to Janet for everything she does. But back to you, Jimmy. Um, So 40 years in the industry. Where did you start? Well, you from what I understand, you were in the sports industry before. Am I correct?
2: I was was a full-time sportscaster for twenty-five to thirty odd years. I uh, started my career at age twenty at Channel Four in Boston, WBZ-TV four, one of the most famous radio and TV stations in America, not just in Boston. And I was a sports producer at age twenty for the NBC affiliate there. And I went, I was at, I was a junior at Tufts University. I just ripped up my ankle for the second time in like five years. I realized my pro career was over and my dream (laughs) of being a pro was over anyway. And I didn't know what the heck to do with myself. I had already cleared my schedule so that I only have three courses. And a friend of mine was one of the founders of Tufts Television. He said, well, how'd you like to produce sports at Channel 4 in Boston? And I'm like, I don't know anything about television production. He goes, no, but you know about sports. I go, you're damn right. I do it. And he goes, and you get to work with Jimmy Myers. And I went, Oh, now you've sealed it. Jimmy Myers is one of my favorite all time personalities on the radio and TV in Boston. And he and I became great friends, still are great friends. He's my mentor. He was the first African-American sportscaster in Boston. And Joe, think about it. it, it you know, your history, you know, The 70s in Boston was a very, very difficult
0: time for
2: for the races because they had to deal with forced busing out of South Boston, and there was a lot of racial tension. And here I was, you know, a white guy from Newton, Massachusetts, hanging out with an African-American sportscaster who really and truly is my alter ego. I mean, he and I have the same energy level, the same passion for sports. We we always are smiling. We loved what we did. Um, it was like it was like meeting a, a you know my doppelganger kind of a thing, right? And and he and I you know just it it clicked. I got the broadcast bug from Jimmy, and I, I thought I was going to be a teacher and a coach my whole life, and I decided to give this sportscaster thing a try. And and Joe, amazingly enough, I actually got the first TV job I ever applied for in 1981 as a weekend sports anchor at the CBS affiliate in Portland, Maine. And Portland, Maine, was a breeding ground for the Boston market in the '80s. Right. Um, I don't know if uh, you know your listeners. I, I think are all probably all over the place, but in the Boston area, uh, people like Dale Arnold, uh, Tom Karen, who still works for NESN and hosts the Red Sox broadcast, um, Joe Beninati now does the play-by-play for the Washington Capitals. We all worked in Portland, Maine. Steve Buckley. All of us worked in Portland, Maine in the '80s, and we got to know each other and. We all kind of followed each other to Boston one after another, and I got there in 1992 when I did the first sports report for New England Cable News, which back then was a regional news channel for uh, 24 hours, and it's a comparable kind of for the vision that I've got going now with pro-cannabis media. Yeah. The the big difference is there was a $10 capital infusion uh, for New England Cable News by the Hearst and Continental Cable Vision people. Uh, we're, We're slightly less than that. But yeah well, you're just
0: starting out, man you know you're just starting out and I wanted to get into that so sports to cannabis mm-hmm. what, what 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 prompted you to make the switch and you know where did you get the idea from? All
2: right, all right, great questions <laughs> and and there there are answers to all of those the the most interesting one first of all, storytelling. Whether you are a talk show host, a reporter, a movie producer, a television producer, we're all storytellers, Joe. And I love to tell stories. I love to talk to people. I can walk up to a stranger, find something I have in common with the guy. And usually it's sports because it's still my passion. It's still something I love to watch and do when I'm not busy trying to build a company. And, you know, I I was just very passionate about it. Now, it wasn't. Oof, let's see. 2013, I got my medical card in Massachusetts. 2016, I met this guy named Neil, uh, Nick, sorry, Nick, Nick Gelso from CLNS Media. They were a podcast aggregation network for sports. And he and I hung out, we met each other, some of my Young broadcasters of America, which was my first company, um, were working with him. A kid by the name of Alex Barth who's one of my proteges in the Boston market now. And he said, and Nick said to me, "Jimmy, why don't you do a podcast on cannabis?" Because he knew I, I partaked, Okay, I was enlightened. And I go, "Man," I said, "I've never even been to the Freedom Rally. I've never been to an advocacy event. You want me to be? You want me to be a host of a cannabis show?" And he goes, "Yeah, you understand enough to ask good questions." And I went. Okay, I'll give it a shot. And I went to the Nican event in March, wow. March 20th, 2018, and walked into that Heinz Auditorium, looked around, saw 350 exhibitors, and I just went, holy mackerel holy, maybe it wasn't mackerel, holy mackerel. Uh, Sure enough, I said, there's quite a bit of industry in here. I had no idea. And I really didn't have an idea about the history or the advocacy or the movement for legalization. I was just a medicinal user uh, probably for since I was 42, but 23 odd years now uh, before that from age 14 to 30 every day. So that's a good, that's a pretty good run of about 40 plus years of daily consumption. Yeah. And again, that's what I was concerned about. That's what I, that was my knowledge base. I knew how to roll a joint. I knew what a bong was. Okay. I knew where to get my weed, right? That that whole thing that you have to do to enjoy it back then in the uh, 70s and 80s. And
1: yeah. and then I started talking to these people. You know what? Let's not, let's not leave out the nuances of having that type of information. Nowadays, people can just jump on an app and find their weed and get it. We yeah. used to actually have to know how to get your weed. You either knew a guy, you knew a place, you knew a thing, you did a thing, you hooked somebody up. If you didn't hook somebody up, you needed to know who you needed to hook up. Right. Then you had to figure out how you wanted to smoke this all right well what are we doing are we getting a bottle are we getting a can we're gonna get some water what are we doing do we got a pipe oh i saw these cigar things how do we roll this cigar thing there was no youtube <laughs> you know yeah, how to we, teach not, us you're that so right you're so right
2: and and there's another element that you forgot about gee i don't really want to pay for it maybe i should just middle it to my friends that's exactly <laughs> how
1: i started
2: me too <laughs> Me yeah. too. like I said, we could find commonalities and everything. And uh, so that, you know, that's where what it was. And then I I met a guy now. Now, Joe, I know you're from the Boston area. And I think I know that, you know, the name of the beautiful bridge that was built as part of the big dig that you know what I'm talking about. The Zakem Bridge.
0: Yes, yes.
2: Okay. So I quit full time sportscaster work to go work with Lenny Zakem. Because he was the closest thing to a prophet I had ever met in my broadcast career. I was burnt out after 25 years, 30 years or so, three to midnight, Wednesday through Sunday. And two divorces later, I mean, I was really, it was time for me to make a change. And I I, I decided to go into the nonprofit world for a few months anyway. I was still doing my kid show. And I don't know if you knew this, but I, I won an Emmy Award for a Sports Talk Show for Kids that I co-created with another producer named Jody Snyder. And, you know, we did 150 shows over three years. We would do a show a weekend every Sunday night at 7 p.m., half an hour. Only kids could call the show. And we had A-list sports people in studio on a regular basis. I mean, Bobby Orr was a guest on that show. Don Sweeney was a guest on that show. Drew Blitzo was on on the uh, show that we won the Emmy award for. So I have one of two Emmys with Drew Bledsoe's name on it that exists in the world.
0: Nice, nice, yeah. nice.
2: So when we got to get I, you I, an I Emmy that's for cannabis highlight. now.
0: What's that? We've got to get you an Emmy for cannabis now.
2: Well, I tell you what, I'm so proud of the newscast that we produce on a weekly basis right now. Uh, we have correspondents from all over the world now. I have a European correspondent. I have a guy from Israel who who contributes once in a while. I have a Canadian reporter. I have people from California, Oregon, Washington State, all calling in 90-second reports from their area because my vision for pro-cannabis media is to create an army of multimedia journalists who will document the end of prohibition in this country. And guess what, Joe Lachance? You too are now a member of the staff. Yes, I was going to mention the
0: big announcement. So I, I did promote, we have a big announcement on this show. And Jimmy, you might as well announce it. But Cannabis Corner will now be streaming live on Pro Cannabis Media on a weekly basis, as well as be on the Roku TV channel, right. the Apple TV channel, and so we're we're uh, we're very happy to be partnering up with you and working together, and hopefully we both can expand our network and help this thing grow to that. Real national cannabis network with lots of programming, you know, and um, well, and we're very happy big- to be a part of that.
2: Well, we're happy you're here too, Joe. And you know how we met through a mutual friend. And, um, you know, I, I it, it's been fun for me to get to know the advocacy community of Massachusetts um, over the last 20, 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the uh, Freedom Rally now is over 30 years old. That was that is the annual uh, celebration of cannabis on the Boston Common. It used to be an act of civil disobedience for one day because everybody would just go smoke weed, smoke weed right, right. right? But now it's more a celebration of the movement. And it, you know what? It's always usually a beautiful day on a, in a um, September, and it's 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 now part of it. You know, it, it's very cool. I've been to quite a few of them now. And uh, like I said, going to the Harvest Cup or going to the Freedom Rally or going to any of these other cannabis events that are out there. I feel like um, I'm I'm happy to promote them, uh, salute them and give them an opportunity in a forum to share their passion and their own stories in their own words on my network.
0: Yeah. Now, you have more than one show on there,
2: right? (laughs) You
0: have a couple. Tell us a little bit. One that you do, one that a couple of other people do. Tell us a little bit about the already existing shows.
2: Okay, so we have uh, a weekly news show that we call We Talk News. We Talk News is anchored by a former Channel 7 in Boston anchor named Elena Pinto. And it is also produced by a current news producer uh, at Channel 7 in Boston named Tori Chamberlain, who's originally from California. That's the one I'm most proud of. Yeah, I do my own show called In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. It's the longest running podcast interview talk show whatever the heck you want to call this content we create on a regular basis and the other shows that we have is a really live show similarly to what you do joe a really live show uh, on friday afternoons (laughs) that we call green rush live uh it's really live green rush the cannabis business uh talk show and that i've been doing that now for three years uh, from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Friday afternoons. And we've talked to everybody from the CEO of Maps, to D'Angelo to Tommy Chong to Vlad Batista in New York, um, a lot of movers and shakers in the lobby world and the political world. And, you know, this past weekend, I got Stephen Mandilli to sit down with me live at four o'clock on Veterans Day. Now, Stephen Mandilli, I don't know if you know who that is, but he, first of all, is the answer to a great trivia question. Who was the first adult to buy cannabis legally in Massachusetts in 2018?
0: Steve Mandilli, I guess. Very
2: good. Ch- I know you know that, Joe. <laughs> he's an Uxbridge. uh he's an Uxbridge selectman and he's also an Iraq war veteran. And if you haven't seen that interview, I'm I'm kind of hoping, I think we're re-releasing it uh today on our LinkedIn uh live channel that we do. I mean, we have so many programs, not just again. Green Rush Live, We Talk News, In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. How about Calling All Growers with Liz Grow? Yes, that's a growing show. I saw Ed Rosenthal at the uh, Harvest Cup this past weekend, and Ed was a guest on that show, not once, but twice. Jim Belushi has been on that show. Uh, That show um, now is every Wednesday. So you could go on to our live stream on Wednesday and see all the Calling All Growers shows plus some of the other independent producers, which I think is where Cannabis Corner is going to be, is on a Wednesday. And that's where you can see those shows. And the Saturday show that I still maintain is our best show. Okay. Yeah. Dave Briggs is more talented than I am. Dave Briggs is a former NBC Sports, Fox News, CNN News anchor, who now works for Yahoo Business in the afternoon. And Dave called me out of the blue. I used to watch him when he was on Channel 7 in Boston, when it was the NBC affiliate. And he said, I want to interview sports figures that are in cannabis. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Because I don't really want to do that anymore because I need to focus on just the industry. And he's done such a great job with that program. He's interviewed, first of all, Amani Toomer, the all-time leading receiver for the New York Football Giants, is his co-host. And Dave has interviewed Gary Payton, um, NBA Hall of Famer. Paul Pierce, NBA Hall of Famer. Calvin Johnson, NFL Hall of Famer. Also, Tiki Barber, Ricky Williams, uh, Darren McCarty from the Detroit Red Wings, um, Kyle Turley. These are all former professional athletes who are in the cannabis space, whether they're doing CBD or they're doing um, cannabis licensing and owning a dispensary like Calvin Johnson and his teammate Rob Sims do in Michigan. Uh, it, it's, it's great to hear a normal acceptance of use of cannabis among the people that have been professional athlete entertainers for my whole life. So, yeah, you know, it, that, and that's why I love that show.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of the athletes have been using it for years for pain and for stress relief. And now they're comfortable to come out and say it and actually get into the industry. And, and I think the NFL, out of all the sports leagues, has pretty much uh, been the most tolerant uh, of all of them for cannabis because I think they finally realized that, you know, first of all, what's the other choice? If, you, if your players are in pain, they're going to take opioids or, or some other harmful drug. Um, which has terrible side effects that could really affect their play? Or would you rather have them smoking cannabis that in most cases sometimes might even enhance their play? Oh, that would Uh, mean
2: that they'd be performance enhancers, Joe. Let's not go there.
0: Okay, right. We don't (laughs) want to use that word. But I think there and I think other sports will come around. I think they are all slowly.
2: Do you want to come
0: around to let them do it?
2: Do you want to know what one of the, I like to think that I had something to do with the NFL because I used to work for Bob Kraft and the Kraft group in the nineties, doing color analysis for the new England revolution soccer team, the first two years of their existence in MLS. And I have always known the crafts. I knew them before they owned the Patriots. I, I was, my family knew Myra's family. So it was, um, it was an interesting dynamic there. But in 2018, when I started my pursuit of what's going on in this industry, kind of media is there, I worked with Sensi Magazine for a while. And Dan McCarthy, your old buddy. I know Dan, him, Dan McCarthy right? from
0: the school. Dan yeah. McCarthy
2: was the editor in the New England region uh, for Sensi, And I said, I want to write an open letter to Bob Kraft and urge him to get his players that he considers his second family off opioids and onto CBD or any other derivative of cannabis. And I wrote an open letter that was published in Sensi Magazine in September of 2018. And, you know, I know that Bob Kraft read it. I can't say that he called me up and said, Jimmy, you're crazy, or I'm going to do whatever you say. No, he didn't do that. But I do know that he, he read it. And the bottom line is, there was some impetus by some of the owners to get opioids out of the locker room and not vilify CBD use or even THC use in small amounts. But you know what? It worked because now the NFL is probably more conscious and conscientious of the dangers of playing that game. Even this past weekend, there was all sorts of controversy. Was it a head-to-head hit? Was it helmet on helmet? Or wasn't it? At least now we're talking about whether that was a legal hit or not legal hit. And that's a huge advance towards uh, what I hope will be a healthier uh, group of football players. Because they sacrifice years off their lives to entertain fans like myself every week. And, yeah. I, and I do not think they get compensated properly for that. I think they play without guaranteed contracts. It just doesn't make any sense to me at all. And I, anytime I meet with anybody from the NFL Players Association, I say the same thing to them. stop playing for a year, work with the owners and figure out a way to get guaranteed lifetime health benefits for those players. Yeah. And by the way, college football, now they just supposedly give you a scholarship to get an education. How much is that really worth these days? How much yeah. is a college
0: education really worth these days? Oh. <laughs> Whether you play football or not, right? Yeah, yeah. And, especially and, what they're teaching these days. And they are
2: taking advantage of these young men. It is, it, it boils my blood beyond. It's one of the reasons why I love being in this business, Joe, because of the injustices towards the plant, towards people, especially people of color that have been most victimized by the war on drugs, the failed war on drugs. I mean, the fact that we that we in modern times arrested three and a half more times black people than white people for possession crimes. And we use it the same amount. Our races. Absolutely. It the same amount. Absolutely. It, it, it is criminal. It is unjust. It, it bothers me beyond. I get very agitated about it. I really do. And, you know, at this point, Joe, when you're my age, you don't really care what people think of you anymore.
0: No, I know. Me neither. Yeah. Me neither. I don't really care what people think. That's of me. right.
2: That's right. And you know what? I can live with myself. I can look myself in the mirror, like my old friend Jimmy Myers used to say, and I can be happy with who
0: I am. Right. 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 No, absolutely. Yeah. No. I got like that too, though. Check
1: done, and then you gotta look at it. And that <laughs> shit sucks. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> so I, I recently had my background check done. And uh Every one of them things was on there. They don't miss a <laughs> trick, huh? I can't have mine done then. No, yeah. Oh, man. I, you got done for a work thing, and I was like, wow.
2: See, to work for expensive. pro cannabis media, Luis, you have to be on drugs.
1: Okay. No, that's, to- that's the way I feel <laughs> about it test. as well. That's the test. Because uh, <laughs> then, then, see, we have these conversations and we talk about things. So I have a lot of charges, but one of them, was possession of a half ounce of cannabis Mm -hmm. two years Mm -hmm. and then this is where people say i have that one a couple times um and this is where people go i don't know how you like what do you mean like i have all right so um in ohio a couple years back when i was younger driving back from um at that time my father-in-law's house i had a joint A joint, probably less than a gram of cannabis, a joint. I promised to appear and they gave me uh, three months suspended with something, but three months for a joint for for 14 grams. I got two years. You know, we talk about what this does to people. Yeah. It's crazy to say 14, like this got me years. Yep. Years. And now we get to talk about it. You know, ahead, and now man. we get to decide what we want to do with what we're doing. Yep. You know, this is where we decide where I have Crohn's disease. I use cannabis as a medical patient. It's it's all part of that. But at the same time, I smoke weed to smoke weed. Like I'm an adult use patient. It's I like to smoke cannabis. I smoking weed right now. Like yeah. There's not much more like, this is why I like to be, my hobby is weed. You know, like people go, how'd you get into the cannabis industry? When I turned 16, I wanted to smoke weed. I had three friends, four friends that could get weed. Didn't really know how to get weed. So I bought weed for all of us and I made $5. Like, I don't know who else Like the first time I smoked weed, I got enough for three blunts. Didn't know how to roll it. No YouTube, none of that. So I had to figure that out. Destroyed <laughs> two cigars. I had to pick two more up. Kind of figured it all out. Smoked it in the back of a, a Jamaican pool hall in, in, uh, in Jamaica, Queens. Because I grew up in East New York, Brooklyn. So now you're going back and forth through the hood. And I'm from the hood. So, you know, you're, you're taking the train. Smell like weed. We cut school. It was my 16th birthday. It's like, damn, this is how we start. Now, fast forward, you you have a couple run ins with the law and you just figure it's part of what it is. You know what I mean? Like it did from 16 years old to 40 years old. I've had almost every type of run in you could have with the law over cannabis, you know, and and that's where we start talking about those things. And I'm Latino and Puerto Rican. So it's. We see how it's treated differently by different people in different places. You know what I mean? One experience I I had is I got to go to college, you know, and with, you know.
2: Question, you're Latino. Did you ever feel like you were profiled by law enforcement because you were Latino?
1: Oh, yeah, man. And so I grew up in the Giuliani era of New York York City, stop and frisk. Yeah, like stop and frisk was real. I got pulled off the train real yeah, easy. Yeah. Like, hey, they tap you on your shoulder, yo, off the train. And that was it. That was wow. no other, no, oh, I'm a police officer, yo, off the train. And then you have to ask, yo, what are you doing? Oh, I'm a cop, get off the train. And these mm-hmm. were my experiences growing up, like yeah. high school, middle school. Like, this is growing up, It's yeah. <laughs> taking the train to your. Yeah. So you know, now it, when you it, start it, with that. What's interesting, then, so you're
2: 40. You said you were 40, right? Is that what you heard? Right? Okay. Yeah. That's 25 years younger than me, okay? And think about the 60s and 70s. Oh, man. Right? And and mm-hmm. in the 60s and 70s, it was more like the wild, wild west, right? We yes. Had Dick, we had Tricky Dick. He was the cause of all this. And he put together that Controlled Substances Act. And, you know, he's vilified for being pro-Vietnam, in the protest era. And I was influenced by the protest era, by the hippie movement, by the rebellious me too. I was a rebel. Okay. So because it was against the law it did not freak me out because I recognized we were in an unjust war anyway. So we should be protesting the things we don't think are fair. At least this is how I grew up. And yeah, you know, me too. I mean, That's I, I grew up with a silver spoon. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny it. I was very fortunate, very spoiled, very lucky, however you want to, however you want to spin it. Okay. And I joke about this on my show all the time. I say, and in my will, it says, please devote, please donate my body and all my organs to science. And here's the list of all the things that I put in my body <laughs> up until age whatever. Uh, and it's quite a list, let's just say. And then look at, my, look at my organs, please, and see what kind of impact it has. Because for whatever reason, Joe, every, tri- every time I take a medical test, it comes back normal. It's about the only thing in my life that I think is normal. Because my life is, you know, as an entrepreneur, is just crazy. It's out of control. It's unbelievable, actually, in many ways. So it's
0: because you keep
2: your endocannabinoid system well fed. My metabolism and endocannabinoid system, which I know go hand in hand, um, are very active. Very active. Always have been, you know, and I, for whatever reason, again, we've only done, we're only scratching the surface just a little bit about research and how this plant impacts every human differently. Right. And it's because even though we are one family of humanity, and even though this plant can bring us all together, even though this plant is uh, a plant that anybody can grow if they know how to grow, unlike me. That being right. said, it is still just a plant, and I don't think any government should should have to um, regulate or vilify a plant, especially when you think about the thousands of years of use of this plant as a medicine. God put it on this earth to as, help a
0: medicine, as a medicine, as a medicine, absolutely. To help
2: To help people, you know, and I—I got to tell you, I wrote—I read a uh, article today in the Boston Globe. Dan Adams, who's their their cannabis beat guy, and I read about uh, the—I want to say—50 comments to that article. It was about the state of the cannabis industry in Massachusetts, how the price of wholesale dropped down, and it's dropping. And oh, what was me? It's a race to the bottom, and oh we're in big trouble and all this stuff and and then the i read these comments of the people that read the article and i was appalled i really was i was like where what now let's keep in mind people i don't know about you do you know anybody under the age of 50 who reads a newspaper no <laughs> right right okay and boston.com is affiliated and all this i get that Uh, And I read the digital side of things, too. But I I also take every word that I read with a grain of salt and look at it and try to read between the lines. And I really am concerned about the fact that we're not going to move very fast towards normalization until mainstream media stops vilifying the plant, stops putting the industry under a microscope. And looking for reasons for the industry to
0: fail. To fail, right, right. It's almost like, yeah, they want us to fail.
2: Oh, 100%. It's a better, hey, Joe, it's a better story. You know why? It's easier to report on that. If you go and you talk to people at these shows, cannabis has saved my life. Cannabis has changed my life. Stephen Mandilli was going to kill himself until his wife gave him a joint for his PTSD. Look, go smoke this, see what happens. And he said, it changed his life.
0: I've heard so many stories of that. how
2: many times and but we've heard it Joe mainstream media not telling those stories and I don't know about you guys but I'd rather hear an incredible story about how a plant to save somebody's life than another shooting in the streets of Boston or Chicago or Detroit or New York any of these major cities where guns are out of control people are angry. You know, we're all raw. Our emotions are raw. That You put us away for two years during a pandemic. Now we're coming out of the cannabis closet. Oh, no, it's the COVID closet. That's right. It's the COVID closet we're out of. And people are angry. Yeah, they are. And, and we're seeing violent crime again. And you guys know alcohol is part of our world. Always. Because it's been here for almost 100 years after their prohibition, right? and cannabis has been vilified for just as long you got you everybody on this call anybody who's listening to this show and i'm going to guess joe that you know you have people that are mostly pro cannabis listening to i
0: would show. think so yeah
2: right i mean that's your target okay and and you say to yourself everybody who knows how to drink responsibly and knows how to partake with herb respons- responsibly knows you get really really out of control and more belligerent and your blood boils when you are under the influence of
0: alcohol. Agreed. And it's more and,
2: damage to your body. Oh, it's poison. And maybe most doctors I talk to go, you know, it really is poison. Do You want to see a liver that, uh, you know, has been destroyed by alcohol? And I go, no, thank you. I had 10th grade biology. I don't need to see that. Um, but the point, my point is, it alcohol is so accepted as part of our world. And and all cannabis is trying to do is is get people to just mellow out, chill out, people. This yeah. plant can help the world in so many different ways. That on the hemp side alone, we can lower our carbon footprint. We need to Good. make buildings and things out of this plant that will that won't will be better for the environment. We're killing I wanted ourselves. to bring
0: that up, Jimmy, because. I bring this up a lot on the show, but I wonder what your opinion is. There's all this push for green energy and, and, you know, with the climate change and all that kind of stuff. And all we ever hear about is wind and solar. And uh, we never hear about hemp as a viable source of biofuel that can replace um, petroleum, pretty much. We never hear about hemp in the sustainable energy talk, even regardless, like you say, building, making clothing, making plastics. You want to talk about a biodegradable plastic? Please. And then they legalized it in 2018. So why aren't they doing anything with it? Is it the hemp lobby that's not on their toes or is it they're just not ready to hear it?
2: No, no. Well, first of all, don't don't point a finger at our friends in the hemp lobby. Uh, they don't have as much money as the, <laughs> as other, the other corporate cannabis that, that lobby yeah. perpetuate uh, the killing of our planet. OK, uh, the oil companies, the pulp people. OK, these are the people that started to vilify <laughs> cannabis prohibition in the, in the
0: first place. Right, right. Right.
2: Exactly right. And and they were in. Intre- they were dictating policy in the 1920s and 30s. Okay, if you know your American history, uh, making sure that that Jim Crow South stayed alive, because that was um, what everybody thought was uh, equal. Uh, No, equal and different. Uh, No, it was unjust. It was prejudicial. It was disgusting in
0: so many ways. Oh, yeah. Those guys, they call them the robber barons, right? right. Because they exactly. robbed, even though they set up the infrastructure in the Industrial Revolution, they robbed this country blind of a lot more things than just money. They robbed us of hemp right. as a You're medicine right. and as an industrial tool. Yep. And they robbed us, like you say, they kept the Jim Crow laws coming. They did a lot of really damaging things that affected our future. I mean, imagine if they hadn't done that and people who know the history have to know that Rockefeller, DuPont and Hearst were behind the whole prohibition of cannabis. And their main enemy was really the hemp, which they hid behind the social issues of cannabis. Well, nobody even knows. Nobody even knew in mainstream America that you could smoke weed and get high. They only knew it as a medicine. They didn't know that until those guys did their propaganda campaign in the newspapers and told them that you could smoke weed and get high. That's you right. know what I mean? It was strictly a medicine back then.
2: Right. And, and Joe, and now you can uh, have Delta 8 hemp and get high.
0: Yeah, we had our guest on last week. gave us the realities of that and how it's really just synthesized. How does
2: Mitch McConnell think about that now? Right? Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. We're gonna we're gonna give my uh, my Kentucky brothers and my electorate uh, opportunities to have another cash crop down there. Yeah. Didn't do. And again, it's you know what it is, Joe. It's human nature to take shortcuts and to also look for the easy way out, and and not do your due diligence, not do your science and research on something, your background checks. You know, it's so funny, Louis is talking about the background checks, right? Why don't we do background checks on, on the what happens when people use cannabis? Why don't we why don't we we're doing an experiment right now, Joe, just in case you haven't figured it out. Everybody in a legal state now is a guinea pig. We're right. all trying to figure out what's gonna happen now. We don't know, we don't know. Yeah, I wanted happen-
0: to touch on that a little yeah, bit.
2: We're all guinea pigs and everybody has a different reaction to this plant. That's why it is so special. That's why people that are in the industry who do understand the power of the plant have this insight and, and for whatever reason are not being allowed to share that in mainstream media or even even and a public i will give public radio public television they're oh trying. yeah this is
0: public radio right and i We're, understand <laughs> they
2: are trying i get it i totally get it and i and i you know thank you for all that because i think that's so important but money power capitalism human the human element all can be very a dangerous combination
1: it right. can
2: be a very dangerous combination and we all like to have enough money in our pockets. We all like to have um, enough that we can support our families and food and all the right things. OK, one of my biggest beefs now in the industry is the word recreational.
0: It should huh? be adult use. It's adult use.
2: And, and I read it again in a news in another article about cannabis. I think it was in Forbes uh, recently, too. The, the word recreate. Let me ask you a question, Joe. Would you ever use Robitussin recreationally? No. no. It's a medicine, right? Yes. You still have to show your ID now to get Robitussin. It's a cough medicine, for those of you who don't know. And, and you have to be over 21 to walk out of the CVS or Walgreens. That's because people
0: were using it recreationally.
2: And, but again, <laughs> that is the wrong thing to do with a medicinal product.
0: Yes. Yes, And I, I agree. Don't,
2: let, me, let me rephrase that. I don't know if it's wrong. Okay isn't the right way
0: to it's use it. It's an improper way, improper way to use right? it. It's not right. the prescribed way right. to right. use it.
2: Yep. And I mean, yeah. and Lord knows one of those comments, by the way, in that article um, in the Boston Globe talked about uh, only pharmacists, only doctors should be able to prescribe this medicine because that's the way medicine is. Well, you know, those doctors that have been, that have learned all about um, medicine that we send to Harvard and Yale Med, right? And did you know that in 1900 to 1910, those same educated doctors in our society wrote 5 million prescriptions for cannabis as a of medicine? Of
0: course, they used to always prescribe it. it. It was a normal, and then look, besides that, they were prescribing morphine. They are right. prescribing uh, patent heroin. I mean, cocaine, all of it was legal as a medicine, Right. as a medicine. It's just, you know, it's the same. And now what they have, all they've done really these days is created synthetic versions so they could patent it. So they could own it because you can't own, you can't patent a plant. And this is the whole thing you can. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting times. And I wanted to touch base real quick. I know you wanted to touch base on this recent election and the five states that had cannabis on the ballot. Um, We only got two out of the five, which I guess is better than none. Um, And I guess they were states you might have expected it to fail the first time just because of where they're located and maybe the population isn't ready for it. But I guess we have to be satisfied with the victory that we do have, because, you know, traditionally, once about half the country starts going, it really forces the feds to take a look at it. And I was saying earlier in the show, there is a hearing scheduled today, tomorrow right in the Congress yep. uh, going over new regulations, expungement and all those kind of things that we need to start talking about now we have 21 states that have passed legal cannabis and i know there'll be a couple more who don't necessarily do it in the election cycle uh, who may do it over the next year Minnesota, right they're they're a legislative state so it's not on the ballot
2: right these
0: are only ballot states that do this so um i'm hoping it's been a tool joe yeah. And,
2: and yeah. it's worked. We got 21. You know, I get the two out of five thing. OK, it's not going to get you in the Hall of Fame, but 21 out of 50 states now.
1: I've legalized
2: cannabis. population. More than half of the plus 21 population in the United States of America has access to legal cannabis.
0: And that is a victory in itself. Right. Sake.
2: And we got a freaking talk show like the cannabis corner. We can do talk about it openly. It's unbelievable to me me (laughs) today.
0: So we're we're running down to the end of the show, Jimmy. Tell us how people can find pro cannabis media not only on the the internet but on Roku. Plug whatever shows you want to do. This is your time right now, Jimmy. Give us give us everything you got.
2: Just just go to procannabismedia.com. That is our website. That is where our Roku channel live streams every day, except for today. Uh, We're having a little technical issue. But all the videos that we've done in the past are all available on demand for playing. You know, Joe, at some point, I'd be happy to chit-chat with you about media, because Uh, It's changed because the consumer now is in charge of what they watch, when they watch, how they watch it, where they watch it. To even explain to people how to find it on Roku, on your Roku TV, which by the way, it's under streaming channels. You can add it just like you can add ESPN or PCM, right? It's PCM TV on Roku and Apple procannabismedia.com. And that is also our YouTube channel. I actually direct everybody to YouTube because as an old television producer, a video producer, that I don't care about Google. Everything I hear about searches, they don't like the word cannabis. Well, guess what? Cannabis is in the middle name of my company. Okay. Right. So and it's part of my URL. So you know what? It, get over it. Just find it because it's three words. It's pro Cannabis media, media. dot right. com. And go to the website, go to our YouTube channel, like, share, and describe. And uh, and subscribe. Not describe. I'll describe it. You can subscribe to it. And you will. Uh, Really be, I don't know, I think you'll learn something. That's what I do. I'm more of an educator and a coach, Joe, than anything else in my life. And, And I really think we all have something to teach others. And I think people that are in the business are charged now with driving normalization. If your neighbors don't know anything about it, if your family doesn't know anything about it, enlighten them. Don't be afraid to talk about it
0: right okay we just got the word that it's time to go jimmy thank you so much everybody log on to pro cannabis media you can find cannabis corner there now we're all excited about us and you can follow us like share subscribe at greenhaven media on all social media goodbye uncle lou bye guys see you, see you next week I was gonna clean my
1: jimmy take care my I friend
0: thanks joe <laughs>
1: I was going to get up and find the broom, but then I got high. Uh. My room is still messed up, and I know why. Why, man? Yeah, because I got high, because I got high, because I got high. I was going to go to class before I got high. Come on.